I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. Welcome into episode number 289 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned number 9 NCAA ranked, and of course viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB, it's Deej. We got a lot to recap. Our sleep schedules are absolutely wonked, and uh, we have a trade to discuss. One singular trade made at the deadline involving one of my precious, precious boys. And uh, it's only right that this happens because now it fits my mantra to get his jersey. Uh, we'll get into the PLL. We'll, get, we'll recap everything from Seattle. We'll get into the final week of the regular season. Some implications for the champ series. Some implications for the playoffs. And of course, we will uh, also, because right before we started recording, we waited a little bit. We were going to record early today, and we're glad we didn't because the PLL end-of-year award nominees have dropped. We'll talk about those, um, and then we will get into the latest in NLL free agency. And I have a take for the end of the show that you won't want to miss that i haven't even brought this up to dj it was just on my mind while we were waiting to record earlier when you were recording your show for your day job so i can't wait to spew this out there i feel like we've touched on this like maybe a year or two ago but it has really grinded my gears as of late and i need to get it out there but before we do any of that Make sure you guys are following us on the socials twitter instagram tiktok threads at otb laxpod uh, follow DJ on Twitter at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple, Spotify. Apologies for the yawns. I haven't gotten to bed until 4.30 in the morning the last two nights. Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping this show continue to grow. Helps more people find OTB on your audio platform of choice. And, uh... It also helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia as a whole and lets us do more dope shit that we want to do. So go subscribe, listen to the pod, share it with your people. Um, you know, we got about four months left of 2023, and we got some big things that we want to do. So if you subscribe, if you listen, we'll be able to do those a lot more easily accessible for us if you do that. 
And it'll be really easily accessible if you subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show every week, every show on our network, including the newly rebranded Vineland High School football coaches show, now known as Guzman's Gridiron, which Deej, as I'm sitting here right now, less than 24 hours since it has been premiered on the old YouTube for 200 views. Violent football moves the needle. Very happy to have uh, the coaches show back on board and uh, going to be on location every week. So we're taking it to new levels. You get that. You get OTB. You get Underground Sports Philadelphia. You get streamer season with myself, Dylan, and Christian. You get top bins with Matt and Dom. You get our F1 podcast with Casey and Owen. The whole nine yards. All video content on our YouTube channel. Indeed, you have the Vineland Football Faithful to thank because we got a little spike in subscribers over the last 24 hours. Uh, we are currently at 532 subscribers uh, as we sit and record this here on Thursday. Love to hit 600 before the end of the month. I hope your bags are packed for Alaska and uh, or you just find a, an army of people to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel because we certainly need it. Bad. <laughs> Not just because I don't want to go to Alaska, but because we got we got things we're trying to do. We and, and we things. need those subs to hit those things. Exactly. So go subscribe, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And go get your merch from our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. I know we've been promising to get the uh, Throwback Weekend logo on our merch store. It's just been a wild couple weeks with our sleep schedules and our work schedules but we promise that's the reason i haven't changed the profile pictures back on any of our social media yet because it's my constant reminder send this over to tyler send this over to tyler um but we do have breaking news from phi apparel company as uh through september 10th which for you pll hooligans that is semi-final day uh on long island um huge Sale and giveaway from our awesome partners at PHI Apparel Company. You guys can gear up for Eagle season uh, with PHI Apparel Company. Before the season starts, you can get 20% off all Eagles gear, which includes our awesome Philly dog shirt. That is one of my favorite shirts I own, and that's not just because I designed it, but it is a badass shirt, and DJ can attest to that. 20% uh, of all Eagles gear on the website now through the season opener. That's crazy. That's crazy. Use code GOBIRDS at checkout. They've never had a sale that'll last this long, so don't miss out. And it is in addition to the sale, they're giving away to one lucky fan a free t-shirt of your choice. All you have to do is send PHI Apparel Company a DM with a shot of your new Kelly Green jersey. If you didn't get yours yet or aren't getting one, Send them your best throwback Eagles gear. Everyone that sends a submission will be entered into a randomizer with the winner chosen on September 1st. So be sure to do that. It's all on their social media, all the details and everything. Go check that out. You can get your OTB merch as well. Hoodies, shirts. I'm going to be ordering a hoodie soon because before we know it, it's going to be hoodie season, uh, which I I have a love-hate relationship with. But... Um, I love it because I get to, to hide the fridge that is hiding the six-pack, but I hate it because I love the summertime. Uh, but 
any time of year, you can use code underground at phiapparel.co and you get 10% off any and all merch. But take advantage. If you're an Eagles fan that listens to this podcast, take advantage of that sale. Use code GOBIRDS at checkout through September 10th when the Eagles go up to Gillette and kick the New England Patriots in the teeth. Get your Eagles gear. Code GOBIRDS for 20% off at phiapparel.co. Deej, what's poppin', brother? Trying to live the dream. <clears throat> it ain't that easy. Um, dressed a little dapper. It ain't easy being Deej. <laughs> it ain't. It's not for the people I, out there I wondering. Mean, you pose like this and Kermit the Frog on the other side. <laughs> Hooded Kermit the, Kermit the Frog, though. Hooded. Yeah. Not the regular one. Hooded. Do it. Do it. Cause, Do yeah, because I, I definitely got a, a little voice in my ear from time to time. Uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, people see dressed a little dapper. It, it as we record, which they can see if they're day. watching on youtube.com slash at underground sports Philadelphia and subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> um, but Thursday, as we record uh, normally, supposed to be opening day for high school football in the state of Michigan. They always play the Thursday before school starts, and this year. That game has been pushed back to Friday due to heat index. This is Friday so, again. Then you Saturday, see me, Sunday, what? <laughs> you see me dressed nice. I will be back in this tomorrow as opening day qualifies for the best of the best. That's crazy that you start on the Thursday. Yeah. That's so anti-high school football. It is, and I like it. Like I'm actually kind of upset that we're getting pushed back to Friday. Friday seems more normal because that's we're what gonna we'll be broadcasting be at the same time tomorrow. Yeah. We'll what be, time is we'll your be... what time's your kickoff? Seven thirty. Oh, I'll be I'll be mid game. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. We, have, we got I I love it. We have six o'clock kickoffs for home games. It is the greatest thing ever. It is. That's 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 amazing. I wish. We normally nice, get seven. It's nice, and then you know. Still until through the end of the season, the sun's still not down all the way by the time I'm out. Like, there's still sun for, like, half the game, which is nice. You get mm-hmm. that nice little golden hour at halftime. And but then yeah. it settles into night. You get the lights for the second half. Just, oh, yes, yes, yes. Give it to And then me. seasonal depression kicks in. <laughs> right after Halloween. Exactly. Why? Why for me? Because everybody goes, October 31st. Halloween, November 1st, Christmas. Uh, no, <laughs> there is an entire holiday in between called Thanksgiving. The best one on the planet. Give it some. Well, we don't like to disrespect Halloween around here. I'm, but that's I mean, I'm not me. saying Halloween bad, but I participate in certain adult activities. And those are something that you do on Thursdays. And then you just eat a bunch of food, watch football and nap. It does not get better than that. Oh no, I think I got you frozen on my end. Oh no. <laughs> Did you hear that? I can hear you. It's, it's choppy, but I can hear you. Uh shout out StreamYard because we can pause. Shout out to Wi-Fi issues. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Um But yeah, our lives are about to be a whole hell of a lot more busy because that's what this time of year is. Everybody asks, oh, when when's your busy season? And I tell them June to December. No, June to February. That's my busy season. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I really only have March, April, and May 
as my lightest months of the year. August is probably the one month that I liked. To an extent, yes, but that's like the the buildup for football here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%. But like there isn't as much of a buildup here for me. Um, I'm not coaching in that month. Uh, I'm not doing any announcing, really. So it's like I get one month out of the year, 11 months out of the year. I'm working like 12 hours a day. August, March, I'm like kickback. March, April, May, I'm like, <sighs> well, that's because you I can breathe. You take a break from lacrosse, weirdo. Well, it's also because my musical season ends in February that I grind from end of November to February. Absolutely. I'm just like, oh. College lacrosse just doesn't mean anything A couple NLL games to to worry about here until the playoffs, and then. College sports just mean nothing to you. No. Weirdo. Hey. Such a weirdo. Pros just mean more. Sure. I don't know how you live not watching college sports, fan. It's crazy. It does nothing for me. I know. Matt and I were talking about this last Weird. night in the main pod because I don't know if you feel the same way. Don't you find it a little weird that we like glorify? You froze. <laughs> yeah. I saw my Wi Fi. Like I saw us spinning and then I saw my Wi Fi just like doing the clicking through every tier and i was like what is happening <laughs> all i heard was glorify uh isn't it weird how we glorify the little league world series yes like yes i get it's kids and like you want to give them that that spotlight and everything but like the product is not good <laughs> no no it's not good at all at all and it's like all, all these hardo coaches trying to like be a, a sound bite. It's very weird. Um, it is. Everybody just relax. Get <laughs> deep breath. Relax. The best one was the the Delco group this year, where they're no in the, way they're on the mound, and one kid goes, "Can I say hi to my mom?" And the coach is like, "No, you can't say hi to your mom." He goes, "Hi, mom." Does it anyway? <laughs> True Love scumbag. That. True Love Delco that. scumbag shit. You said no. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> I was like, there's really only two memorable Little League World Series moments in my brain. It's Monet Davis, which is even more hyper-focused because she was local to here. And then Big Al because he hits dingers. Yeah. Which Big the funny Al part is Big Al never thing. played in a Little League World Series game. I know. <laughs> It's so weird. And I'm Big Al and I hit dingers. <laughs> um, let's get into recapping everything that happened at Seattle. First and foremost, I loved the venue change. It looked it was, so much nicer optically on TV. I like how it looked on TV. It just was weird to see them playing like on a baseball field. Not abstract because it is something... Like we did this year for summer ball, like the, the couple places you go, like the, some of the turf fields are baseball and they just put lines down and, and it is what it is. It still looks weird. That that was the only thing. Like it, it optically looked weird at times because like you could see like the backstop in the back and everything. And like it was weird to not have fans like behind the net or like in the corners 
really, but it looks so than, much better than, than the Tacoma that, Dome, though. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and but other than that, I thought it was it was great. It looked great. It seemed like the energy was was nice. The field was nice. The views were great. Like I wouldn't mind playing there for sure mm-hmm. if I was playing. I think I wasn't it as weird. It looks weird because in 2019 when they played in Atlanta, they played at the old Brave Stadium. Um. I think for me that was weirder because of where I was sitting in the press box. You could tell that the press box was positioned to be behind home plate, and they've since converted the old Brave Stadium into a football stadium for one of the Georgia schools down there. I can't remember if it, what school it is. Um, but I was like, oh, this is a diagonal football field, but that's because this used to be a baseball field. Um, but I thought it looked way better optically and just like the lighting wise because it was outdoors much better viewing experience as a whole um on tv than it was last year in seattle so kudos to whoever booked that venue tip of the cap there um to recap the games and all the goings-ons that happened in tacoma i told you i told you all on the podcast last week I don't know why, but this game isn't doing it for me. And the game on ESPN2, it was built up to be this heavyweight title match. Rocky versus Apollo Creed. Well, this time Apollo Creed won. The Archers stick it to the whip, 16-11. to Should have been like 16-10, but a couple late goals that Tom Schreiber got caught on camera being disgusted with. Um happened uh after dauber was taken out of the game um nonetheless the archers win and even though it was a five goal game the archers dominated that game yeah it was um weird healthy whips they're on this train hop on now they're ready to go all this energy that train went off the rails and they just got smoked um i i told you i was excited for it though and i was and and i enjoyed the game a lot because it really solidifies that the rest of the league is caught up um there's kind of just still this narrative hanging around like the whip snakes are the team to beat they're the golden standard they're so much better than everybody else a healthy whip snakes team is scary and the archers kind of just dismantled all of that. They're like, healthy whip snakes don't mean anything. Like, okay, sure, you're healthy, but can Mike Sisselberger beat Petey Lasala on a regular? No. Or sorry, can Petey Lasala beat Sisselberger on a regular? No. Are are you going to be able to stop Tom Schreiber in the insane archers midfield? No. Who's going to step up defensively and stop Fieldy and Mac Mac O'Keefe? No one. Are you gonna are you gonna be able to do anything offensively? And they were able to get a couple of things going from time to time, but offense was stagnant as well. Like they ran into the definition of a well-oiled machine and had absolutely no clue what to do with it. Yeah. I was uh I was very pleased to just see the archers not be phased by like a build up matchup. Um big time win for them. Cannons survive and advance clinched their spot in the champ series full-fledged um they will be going that is very exciting um the archers obviously going back as well uh cannons beat atlas 14 13 
in the nightcap. Um, another great performance by the Cannons. Good bounce back after the the OT heartbreaker to the Redwoods last week. Um, we've said this in years past. I think we said it right around when you started co-hosting with me. Like Atlas needed defensive help because it was like a turnstile defense. They drafted defensemen. And they still have a turnstile defense. Um, I want to say it's the defense because I am a, it's never this person's fault. Not never, but 99.9% of the time, it's not this person's fault. I think goaltending is the real issue that this year for the Bulls. I, I truly think there were a lot of really good defensive possessions for Atlas that ended in goals that shouldn't have. I can't tell you how many times Kincannon slammed his stick or, you know, put his head down or was like, you know, it was like, fuck, I should have had that one. Like that's been consistent since week one all season. And it's really tough to play as a defense when you're forcing shots, 12, 13, 14, 15 yards, and they're still going in or you got a guy at eight yards, your stick in his gloves, and he still scores. And it's like, dude, what more can I do as a defenseman to make your job easier? And the answer is nothing. They're doing everything they possibly can to give him the easiest shots to save, and he's just not saving. Like, I think they did the right. Now, I wouldn't have got rid of Cade Van Rappahorst. I wouldn't have got rid of Craig Chick. There were some questionable decisions in personnel, that he did after drafting, but the draft picks I thought were fine. I think Gavin Adler and Brett Maker have played great for, for rookies getting into this new system that hasn't really been working and trying to find something out. They've done well, but when the goalie isn't making saves, it's going to look like they're not doing their job. And we'll get into the, the award nominees and everything. I feel like this is the first time in a long time in any sport we look at that the number one overall pick is not nominated for rookie of the year. And it sucks because the reason he isn't is because this team is just not successful. Yeah. Gavin Adler's been great this year. Let's like let's let, that let's really we take yeah, like let's really take a look like, oh. at his season. If we look at Atlas polls, Adler has been the best one. He's been the best one. And the craziest part is But when you're two and seven you're, you're not two, getting a look. You're two and seven, and you weren't the best defenseman overall this year in the league as a rookie, because that is Mr. Will Bowen, who was one Maybe. of. One I guess of if the you're most... going, if you're going close defenseman, yes. Yeah, but like, think back to draft night when Will Bowen being drafted was like, "What the fuck are Chaos doing?" And I we don't were like. Well, some people said that. Some people, a lot of people are like, "Why are they doing this?" But we were on our draft show. Jared Newman, fist pumping away. Andy Towers said they would have taken him number one overall. And he's proven that he's been a fucking stud. He fits their scheme. That's why he's nominated. He fits their scheme. Like, this is going to be so crazy to say. Will Bowen's great. But he would not be as great as he is if he didn't go to chaos. Yeah, 
I think there's that maybe was, like one or two other teams that he would have been similar on, but outside of that, good. But this chaos role was almost carved out for him. Like it had Will Bowen's name on it at the beginning of last year. At the beginning of last year, and it helps having Jack Rowlett as your coach. Mm-hmm. That helps hugely. Former coach now. Well, yeah, former coach, but having see, your that being your coach in college, like that's huge. You see, Jack got his car towed. No, <laughs> in DC. No, in Boston because he moved. Because now he's coaching at Boston. Oh yeah, College. yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I saw he moved to Boston. He's staying he had to walk in, twenty in blocks Southie. to go get his car. Couldn't even get an Uber. He probably didn't want to. <laughs> Not that he couldn't. He probably just didn't got to pay to get his car out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's penny pension. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but no, I think he just got put in the perfect spot. Um, and. It sucks for Adler because he did have a good year, but when the rest of your team doesn't show up and do what you need them to do, you're not going to get the credit. Like three guys, you're not going to get like, the credit. There's like four guys that showed up for Atlas all year. Literally, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, good win for the Cannons. They punched their ticket to the Champ Series. Very excited to see that squad in the championship. There was two teams going into this year that I said, actually three, and those three are going to the championship series. Uh, well, one is a win and get in situation. I'm happy the archers are back in. Uh, I wanted cannons in, and Who's I wanted the wa- redwoods are winning. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I wanted the water dogs in the championship series. Um, and they punched their ticket as well, which we'll get to their game in a minute. But if the redwoods win, this is like my dream championship series with just the way the rosters would be constructed. Um, but cannons are in, they're gonna be fun. We'll talk champ series after the season and everything. Uh, speaking of the Redwoods, though, another overtime thriller. Uh, they they hold off the Chrome back and win 11-10 in overtime. You want to talk about stress-inducing, anxiety-inducing, just what-the-fuck-going-on type of game. It was that one. It felt like it was in full control for the Redwoods on their way. Up 4-3, then a scoreless second quarter from both teams. Then the Woods score six goals and have a 10-7 lead. And then they get shut out again. And that's why the Redwoods are where they are right now, just because of the fucking inconsistencies that they are too good to be having. Um, but the I'm blanking on who scored the game. Berkey. Westberg scored and then RP3 assisted in, again, one of RP3's, one of his worst games of the year. Um, That's been a huge reason, in my opinion, why this Redwoods offense, like, has had these kind of clunkers. RP3's inconsistencies and having games like he did here and having games like he did in Fairfield are, like, it, it, like, stagnates everything. Yes and no. Yes, because he's a big part of their offense. So when he has a bad game, it expands to the rest of the team. I think that's more about how they approach offensively. It is very predictable. You know what's going to happen before it happens. They're not dodging with Rob. They're dodging with Jules. And if that doesn't work, they're going to Ryder to see what comes out of it. You can't. You can watch two and a half Woods games and know that's what the plan is. 
So every team already knows that coming in. And sure, there's plays you just can't stop because guys are that good, but you have to have multiple avenues of attack and come with some surprise at certain times. Being so predictable makes it really hard because teams are ready. They know what you're going to do. They they have plans set and ready for a Rob question mark. That attack or that defenseman that's sitting up top on that midi is coming down for a double team the minute you turn your back. Like Ryder going to the middle. They're sending four guys because the chances of him passing the ball are like negative. They, they know these things. You have to come with a different style consistently. And we see that with water dogs who attack from literally anywhere on the field with anyone. The archers aren't afraid to initiate with Matt Moore, Connor Fields, Mac O'Keefe, Trey LeClaire, Tom Schreiber, Ryan Ambler. Like the whip snakes are even good at that. Initiating with Chaney, Tucker, Zed, um, what will be Jackson Murrell now, Matt Rambo, Brad Smith. Like, Having all of these different avenues, even at times like Keegan Khan, <laughs> Keegan Khan will go out and dodge. Like you, you have to have different people that are willing to start the movement. Sure, you may not score. Sure, I may you not saw go it with them with Gutty at times last year. Yeah, exactly. And it's just that that emphasis of sure it may not work, and we just end up dodging down the alley and moving. But it's keeping the defense honest and making them really worry about all six people on the field. Yeah, right. That that um, last possession that the Redwoods had, I wanted to throw up in my mouth. That yeah, was, no, getting no shot off is crazy. That was one of the most stale, panic mode, just like, what do I do with my hands? I'm Ricky Bobby possessions I've seen in the PLL, like, ever. Yep, and that, and I know it's not his strong suit, not something he does often, but when they're going to short Westberg, dodge him, make them think twice about shorting Westberg. And, and maybe you get a couple more short stick matchups up top that you like because you do that, but like letting them kind of just pin a shorty on Westberg and keeping him in the crease and doing his thing, which rightfully so he does an f- amazing job in there, but every once in a while, pull him out to a wing and let him dodge. Keep that defense honest. Make them think a couple times, and maybe you get a couple switches back, and you can take that to advantage when you have Rowe, Jules, and Colin Kirst or uh, and Cole Kirst out there. Now either Romar or Cole Kirst now has a short stick that wouldn't normally have a short stick because those guys are getting pulled like crazy now. Or Jules is the one who ends up not getting pulled, and he has a short stick. Those are great matchups for you that you can take advantage of, but you're not setting it up that way in any way. It doesn't matter. Um, You know, it's crazy that if the season ended today, which obviously it doesn't, we still have one week left of games. The PLL script writers, man, they, they know how to get it done. Them script writers come through for the playoffs. We'd have Whips Woods again. <laughs> Whips, Woods, Cannons, Atlas, and Water Dogs, Chaos. Them script writers is working overtime. They're like SpongeBob writing his paper, but just making the fancy gothic T and the. That's there's the so many there's writers. so many storylines in that right there. Like it's disgusting. The two Rabel teams playing each other in the first round. <laughs> you have plus, plus Cade Van Rapphorst against his old team. Both and you have, rookie head coaches. You have two former. 
championship matchups in the other two games. And yep. then you have the Golden Boy Archers who have finally like busted the script open. Like, what? Please. Like, I need everything to pan out this way. Like, as long as the Woods win, this pans out. It's it's Rabel Bowl championship rematch and the rivalry. <laughs> well, as long as who do whips and chaos who do whips and way. chaos play this week? Um, I'll tell you right now. Whips play. Whips play cannons, and chaos plays chrome. So it could I change. Chaos, I think chaos win. Um, it'll all depend on score differential, though. I believe because whips won the season series against chaos. So, well, they would both have to win. I don't think both win. Yeah, it's what, like I'm saying in that scenario. Yeah, but I think I think whip snakes lose. It's crazy it's going to take the entire season for the Redwoods to potentially get to 100 goals scored. They're at 99 right now. Bro, stop it. They're going to get to 100. They're not hey, going to get blanked. They're not I, going to get blanked. I'm not saying that, but there have been multiple games that they've been closer to getting blanked than scoring double well, digits. None of them are against Atlas. Atlas. Playing Atlas in the last game of the week is a plus for the Wood. The last game yeah. of the season is a plus for the Woods, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough. It's always a close game. They normally come out on top, though. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um, last game that occurred was Chaos Water Dogs. Water Dogs assert their dominance, score four two-pointers in this game, the most by any team in a single game this season. Or ever. At one point. Is it ever? I know it was this season. I think it tied ever. It might have tied ever, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I saw Keeg's tweet that said it was like the most ever. Definitely the most like this that. season. Definitely uh, the most by a this single season. team. Um, at one point in this game, we had more two point goals than one point goals, which was amazing. I was like, yes, feed it to me. Yeah, that was the sickos meme. Full send. Absolutely. I was like, pull up and rip it. Um, bop it, no. <laughs> twist it, <laughs> pull it, <laughs> shoot it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Screaming. Bop it was the shit back in the day. Oh, went so crazy. Like the original bop it. I'm not talking about the one that got that that extendo pack. That yeah, the with the spin, spin and, and everything. Yeah, nah. Whatever nah, nah, the other nah. one was, twist it, pull it, bop it was that Insane. tested if you had true motor skills. Would spend hours. That and Simon. Simon says. Yes. For hours. And Bop it was true motor skills instead of just like hand eye coordination because you're holding the thing and it's like you're hearing and then you have to like pull the trigger on the correct thing and not screw up. I think I still have my. We should record ourselves when you're here for doing Bop stuff, it. Doing Bop it. I'm so down. I'm 99% sure the Bop It is in the old studio room. I'm so down. I haven't yeah. played Bop It in like, I don't know, 10 years? <laughs> Easy. Bop It was the shit. Oh, um, top just wait until Just wait until they make a Bop It movie because they want to make movies about all these uh, Hasbro and Mattel toys now. Did you see that? that? Yeah. That would they want to make a Play-Doh movie 
what are we doing? Plato, no, but Bop It would go crazy. Or like Operation, like real life Operation would be nuts. They need to make Bop It on crack and put it in the next season of Squid Game. <laughs> You're playing br- Bop It on a glass platform. If you do it wrong. <laughs> you miss, you're done. You fall. <laughs> Last one standing wins. You're over a pit of spikes. Dude, real life operation. Could you imagine being a doctor? Like, you hit his flesh and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> actually gets electrocuted. I would lose it. I'd faint right there as a doctor. I'd faint. He'd be dead because he'd be electrocuted. He'd be dead and I'd be dead too because I'm not going to jail for that shit. <laughs> Zip, zap, zump. That's the new bop. all up out of here. I'll pour some water on this thing. <laughs> so great weekend overall in Seattle. It really seemed like the fans showed out too. Um, RJ's blow pop drip was incredible. Um, shout out to Shout out Cherry. And uh yeah, I, I officially I tweeted this at him. He didn't interact with it, which was a little disappointing, but the Jerry Ragonese crab cake is officially added to my must have list for the crab cake connoisseur that I am. Um here's your standings going into the final week of the season. The archers at eight and one clinched that top spot. Uh cannons with the most scores for so far this season, uh, with 128. Are six and three. Water Dogs also six and three. Redwoods at five and four. And if they win this week, they are in the championship series. Whip Snakes at four and five. Chaos at four and five. Atlas at two and seven. And then Chrome at one and eight. Uh, and there are your standings. Let's uh, let's talk about the trade that happened. It's brought to you by our pals over at Tomahawk Shades. The best small batch eyewear in the game. Guys, they have an app now that you can download for free in the App Store, Google Play. And just for downloading the app, you can claim a free pair of sunglasses. It's that simple. And downloading the app allows you to get exclusive access to things before anybody else. You're going to get notifications sent to you when new product is available, when new events with Tomahawk Shades are happening. Uh, We're trying to plot and scheme some stuff with Tomahawk Shades for semifinal weekend, so... That's why you got to check out Tomahawk Shades. Owned by Kyle Harrison and Chris Hogan. Ever heard of them? Um, Tomahawk Shades has been rocking with us for years now. And uh, you guys can go to the Tomahawk Shades app or TomahawkShades.com. Fill up your cart. And when you go to check out, use promo code USP for 25% off your order. Excuse me. At TomahawkShades.com, that's promo code USP for 25% off at TomahawkShades.com or in the Tomahawk Shades app. Deej, the boy, Jackson Murrell, was traded in the only trade of the season at the deadline to the Whipsnakes. Pulling up the full terms of the trade here because I don't want to mix up with the draft picks. Where here we go. So Jackson Morrill, pending free agent as well, which I didn't realize when the trade happened that he was going to be a free agent. So Chrome, in theory, could resign him in free agency if they chose to. Um, the trade Chrome receives Whipsnakes 2024 second and third round picks in exchange for Jackson Morrill. And 
Chrome's 2024. So a third round pick swap and a second round pick going to Chrome in exchange for Jackson Murrell. I mean, that's that's big draft capital, um, you know, to, to get for Chrome that they can use as either the picks or use it as trade bait in the offseason. Jackson Murrell going to whip snakes, though. I'm not sure how I still feel about it. Obviously, it's great for him. He's going to get an opportunity to play in the postseason uh, more than likely. How do you personally see this fit for Jackson Murrell? And I'm going to pull up the article that Adam Lamberti uh, wrote for the PLL website, the Whip Snakes beat writer, with the headline, Why Jackson Murrell Should Start at X for the Whip Snakes. Deej, the floor is yours. As a lacrosse fan, member of the media, enjoyer of the game, player of the game, absolutely love this move for Jackson Morrell. As a Woods fan, hate this move. I'll break this down. I love and hate it for the same reason. This is an extremely scary move for every defense in the league because they have so many options they can do with this. Jackson Moreau coming out of the box, getting on a short stick. Toast. If he doesn't score, he'll probably assist someone. Like, that's easy money for him. He's dodging on poles all game. Some of the best in the world. And now you're going to put him against a shorty? Like, no disrespect to the shorties. They're great. But nine times out of ten, if your name's not Danny Logan, Bubba Fairman, Latrell Harris, you probably can't stop this guy. And those guys are going to have a tough time stopping this guy, too. That's just option one. That's just option one. Option two is to throw him on the wing and bring Will Manny out of the box and continue to run kind of this hybrid offense that doesn't have a real X attack and that they've been continuing to run. Will Manny out of the box is scary because he's a two-point threat that can shoot. A lot of off-ball movement happens right out of the box or just with midfielders in general. And with a guy that can shoot as well and as fast as Will Manny, that's always scary to try and go against. Option three is leave Will Manny down at attack. And take Jackson Murillo and put him at X. So who does that take off of the attack line? Zed Williams. And I don't know about you, but I would be terrified to be a short stick or LSM seeing Zed Williams screaming out of the box. Absolutely terrified. And then to know he's got Matt Rambo who can kind of make magic out of nothing. Will Manny, who's one of the greatest shooters of all time. And then an absolute quarterback at X along with Channy, Brad Smith, Keegan Khan, Kirst, et cetera. Up top, find me six guys that are going to shut that down consistently. Like, no, no matter where you put Jackson Murillo in this offense, it's bound to give defense troubles. Um, in Adam's article, which we'll link in the description as well, um, he said at first glance you would think Murillo would run out of the box with the Whipsnakes attack unit of Matt Rambo, Zed Williams, Will Manny, seemingly all but set. Um. But he goes on to say that Murrell's like a true X guy for the whips. But he also says Will Manny would be the likely candidate to come out of the box, which I find very intriguing. 
I like that idea, but honestly, because his reasoning is that he already has experience receiving a short stick this season. So if Moreau were to be behind the cage, then you have Will running out of the box with a shorty on him. Sure. Like I said, I don't hate it. It's It's an option, but the truly scary thing would be Zed coming out of the box because he's not wasting as much energy in the ride. He's fresh legs every time he steps on the field. Nine, you know, a good handful of these times he's dodging on a short stick or you have to respect Zed Williams for who he is. So you have to pull him every time giving two of their other really great midfielders, a short stick. Like there's really no way to escape how great of a player Zed Williams is. If he's coming out of the box, it it gives a lot of the same that we saw with team USA this year with worlds bringing Brennan O'Neill out of the box. Like, they easily could have taken someone off the attack and run Brennan O'Neill at attack and then had them come out of the box. But because of who Brennan O'Neill was, you either had to choose to short stick him and hope early, leaving someone open, or you had to give him the pole and give two other really great midfielders an opportunity to dodge on a short stick. I think you have to go with that same vibe here and really push that out of the box because, it, in my opinion, it makes the offense unstoppable. Or at least very hard to stop. I won't say unstoppable, but very hard to stop because it, it really stretches your mind. Who do you short? Who do you pull out of this group? Who gets the short sticks? Who do you look at in this offense and go, our short sticks can stop them consistently? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, as a coach, could ever say that. Looking at these rosters, I don't know if I could realistically see a team stopping that offense. I mean, I think the most intriguing and fun short stick matchup just by the way they've played this year. I sent you a tweet for when we talk about the awards, Joe Keegan uh, just put out. It's very funny. Um, The most intriguing one is the one we saw this past week is the archers with Treasy and the, and the pups. Yeah. Which I mean, knows. But, like, I don't even – I don't know that they – like, even – like, they're good. Don't, like don't that, get me wrong. Like, they, if you go top to bottom group, like, that's the one that you're like – and, you know, maybe the Cannons, too, with, with Goodrich and Bubba. And, but, like, outside of that, like – Maybe the Water Dogs. Yeah. I I love this move for – the whips if you're a whips fan you should be excited jack if you listen to this podcast you know jacks Murillo has been one of my favorite players since he's been a rookie um and it fits the the mantra now deej because he's traded he's no longer on chrome i can now actively go and get his chrome jersey yep it fits my brand i does think it's time mean, to get a a chrome jackson Murillo championship series jersey does this mean at least he won a trophy <laughs> does this mean our bet is still on uh, yeah, it would just be his Chrome jersey. Okay. okay. What was the bet again? I completely forget. Something. Water dogs. Where, did they have to come in first? It was something water. Dogs either way, either way, I lost because Chrome are gonna finish in last. Yeah. So. Should I still just buy a Luca jersey anyway? The fact that he liked my tweet and followed me back is like 
the best. I'm I so happy. You didn't know he already didn't follow the pod since like 2020 champ series. <laughs> I had no clue either. <laughs> like I'm like this dude knows Deluca how big of a stand I am. And he been, been a dog. New. He been new. Like I'm his biggest fan outside of Delaware and his parents. <laughs> the three D's. Delaware, Delaware Deluca, the Delucas and Deej. It's there. It's there. Triple D's, baby. You just bought a Guy Fieri. Oh, Triple D's. D's. <laughs> hey, I'm DJ Hughes, and we're rolling out. Time to go stand Matt DeLuca for Delaware, the DeLucas, and Deej. Danny. <laughs> now we just got to make a, a, a section. Now we just got to make a section. What, what a sign that has triple D's and then it's <laughs> Delaware DeLuca and Deej. We are ridiculous. <laughs> Let us know in the YouTube comment section, though, your thoughts on the Jackson Morrell trade. Um, very interesting that it is the only trade that happened, but. As many have said, as we have said, first-round pick trades were not going to happen this year. Um, so it is uh, – it's interesting that a lot of the teams didn't at least – like, at least it didn't feel that way because there weren't many, like, rumors blowing around. You know, we get Miles and Romar traded for each other, and then this trade here. Um, not a lot of other like rumors blowing and it's interesting that Chrome didn't try to potentially trade some other expiring contracts or even Atlas trying to trade some lower end expiring contracts potentially to, to recoup assets or something or try to sh shake things up and, and, you know, do more, you know, you see what miles did this past weekend for them. You're, you're in desperation mode. Why not try to, you know, shake something up? Like they weren't going to trade Brian Costabile, obviously um just because you're gonna make the playoffs why are you gonna trade your best midfield option but it is interesting that you know we didn't see a lot of expiring contracts get traded well my thing with chrome is i think they're gonna sign a lot of people back and mm -hmm. it, the discourse obviously got started over oh is it is it bo or is it shelly or is it cav like this this and that like which i understand but let's really break this down here. Chrome has a number one pick. And in every round but the third, they have the number one pick. And in the second, they also have fifth or sixth or whatever what snakes are going to land at. Well, they still have their – oh, yeah, and in the they third, they'll have that. Flop in the third. Yeah, they yeah. have that same pick. So they get, they get first, first, fifth, sixth, whatever – Fifth, six, fifth, or whatever. Six, whatever. First. First. They have five picks in this draft. It's absolutely loaded. If someone's going to fall, it's not going to be Brandon O'Neill. And people are like, oh, well, they should have traded Logan Wisnowski because he played bad. Okay, I get it. But realistically, he played bad because his team looked completely different on the offensive side than it did last year. He played a lot off of Nick Turn. Nick Turn's not going to be back next year. Big deal or not, not in my opinion. Because of how loaded this class is. You obviously take Brendan O'Neill at one because he's not going to fall. He's not going to fall. If you don't take him at one, you're not going to see him. It would be asinine not to take Brendan O'Neill at one. I think they take Brendan O'Neill because 
one of um either Shelly or um Cav. Cav, and I think there's a curse brother also coming out in this draft, are all going one of them is going to fall to you in that first pick, second round. Because there's not a lot of teams that need an X attack. One of them is going to fall. So sit I love Diggs' tweet. I don't know if you saw it. Where I did. It was like a thread where he was like, y'all he are basically crazy said, like, not- you take Brennan O'Neill because he is the equivalent in this draft to LeBron James. You have LeBron James in the draft. While you also have Dwayne Wade, you also Carmelo have Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Chris Bosh in this draft. But they're not LeBron James. But they're not LeBron James. Brendan O'Neill is unlike everyone else. And Brendan O'Neill was is, deucing on people in the world championship, scoring goals left and right, arguably player Still of the tournament college. outside of Stotsy, and these other dudes were watching him do that at home. And that's no slight to them. None. It's just Brendan O'Neill got that dog in him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the crazy part is, Another person that could fall that would absolutely be great in this offense because of the style offense they run and how many teammates he'll have in this pocket on Chrome, Dyson Williams. Mm-hmm. Bring the ex-attackman from college that Brendan O'Neill has camaraderie with already. Pair that with Logan Wisnowskis, Sam Hanley. You're talking about this dude named Sam Hanley. Cross Ferrara, like the, the yeah. Justin Anderson, the line keeps going. That offense is going to get better. And the people who say trade Sam Hanley because he's going to get in the way of Brennan O'Neill are literally crazy. I'm sorry. I don't think so. They play differently. They play different. This isn't a Miles Surge, Romar, Brian Costabile, where they play exactly the same and they take from each other. They have two very different games. And if anything, Sam Hanley is going to benefit from having Brennan O'Neill there and taking some of that pressure and some of that attention away where he is going to get a short stick. Sometimes he's going to be able to dodge right down the alley and get a shot off because they can't just leave off of Brennan O'Neill. Like you want to get as many of these young players that have their own bag. Like that's the interesting thing about Chrome is if they make the moves that I think they should make, whether it's picking up Shelly, Pat Cav, curse Dyson Williams, along with BO or going to the player pool and signing an ex-attackman that's out there. There are plenty of good ones still available or someone who comes to free agency at that point. Let's also not forget like Colin Hecox, a free agent. And I would be shocked if he comes back to Chrome next year, just because of like his lack of usage. And obviously he's got relationships with the team that Jackson Merrill just went to uh, from his college days. So that wouldn't shock me if that's a move Stags makes in free agency. So that clears up another space in this offense for Chrome to utilize the draft with. Yes. Like I, I don't think they need to get rid of anyone who is currently in their rotation consistently. No, like their offensive rotation is fine. They just need to solidify who is in it and then work from there. Every I think other their team. biggest issue this this season was they came into it way too confident about Brendan Nickturn's availability and didn't properly adjust the offense for him not being available as often as he was not available. Yes, which then hindered the rest of the offense. I don't think that's a problem outside next of Cross Ferrar. I don't think that's a problem next year, regardless of who steps in. Whether they get a guy from the player pool, they draft a guy, huh? <laughs> 
throw your crosses up get out of here <laughs> whether they draft you know one of the ex attackmen that's going to be available or they get somebody from the player pool the offense will be just fine because it is already loaded and you're going to add a bunch of talent to it just mesh it together last bit on this Jackson Murrell trade does he stay with whip snakes does he go back in free agency and resign with them or do you think he ends up on a different team looking ahead i don't think he signs back with chrome me either but the other two are up for debate on his play and not like oh he needs to go out and be productive but oh does he bring something to the whip that they don't already have and and is right. and, and becomes intriguing to stags in a way that okay we can use him in this way or in these scenarios because we don't already have that if he right. doesn't bring any of that or kind of have any kind of spark they may not re-sign him either. Um, and I would hate to see him kind of fall into the player pool. He's too be- good to – like, he's one of those guys that – like, we say that a lot of, about a lot of players. Like, there's there's a bunch of players that are like, they're too good to not be on a roster. But Jackson Murrell is truly too good to not be on a roster simply because he's too versatile. He can play multiple positions. It's not like one of these guys who is like – I can only play at X. You know, a lot of people talked about when uh, the MLL merger and the uh, the entry drafts were happening. It's like, oh, where's Mark Matthews? He really only can play X, and there's a bunch of X attackmen that are already preoccupying those spots. You look at Bryce Wasserman. He dominated in the MLL. He can only play at X, and that's why he was kind of a, a mercenary player for Chaos for so long. We love Bryce Wasserman on this show, but that's the case with him. Jackson Murrell can play at X as a true X attackman. He can come out of the box and play the midfield. That is what earns you a roster spot in this league. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to come down to – if he goes back in the player pool, he may end up back with Kerm. I will say that. Um, I don't think they're going to go after him right away, but if Whip Snakes don't want him and other teams pass on him, they may be, hey, come back. And – then you're in an interesting situation, especially if they do draft an ex-attackman and they get him coming out of the box. Just fills that offense a little bit more. He's kind of intriguing for the Redwoods, too, in an aspect, depending if a certain guy hangs it up. No, because they're going to draft Pat Kev. They are going to draft Pat Kev. I'm just saying. Or, like- or actually, well, I don't know because – there's a possibility of that because I do know the two people they are most likely that, that they're looking at for their first round pick. And it's a certain exactly. position, exactly. a certain position that I'm not going to throw out there because then it gives away the names. So there's a possibility that Pat Cav is off the board the next time the woods are rolled around. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's the I case. I did there. I do believe that the Woods are going to be able to draft that person, one of those two people they're looking at in the first round, and then be able to come around and get Cav in the second round as well. I believe that Cav will slip a little bit because of how he plays, where he comes from, that kind of being pretty much just an ex-attackman. Like, there's that aspect to it that I think will allow him to slip to the Woods. But if he doesn't, Jackson Morrell is a nice option. Jackson Morrell is a The more I think option. about Jackson Morrell on the Redwoods, and this is all bias aside and everything, 
the more I like the idea. Because of the versatility, we kind of already know the writing's on the wall for a certain number 16 that he's not going to be back after this season. And that opens up a midfield spot. Kevin Rogers is an expiring contract, even though he's been, you know, serviceable for the Redwoods this year. Who knows if he's back? And if you can upgrade, that's this whole point of this league, too, is if you can upgrade at a position where you may have a guy already, but you can get better, a la Jake Carraway, Chris Gray, you do it. Like, that's what you do to stay competitive and to stay in the mix in this league. Jackson Murrell's versatility on this Redwoods squad would be very, very intriguing. Yes. But they will not pass on Pat Cav if he's there. I'll tell you that. I don't think they pass on Pat Cav if he's there. And I say that from an aspect of everybody is already like, if you're not watching on YouTube, you should like laser focus, like zooming in on Brian Costabile to the Redwoods. That's everybody's dream scenario. No, it would be it would be so Nat Saint Laurent in no, free agency to just I, I, swoop in and bamboozle everybody and distract them from what they think is going to happen, flip the script, and get the guy that I personally think fits their team better. First off, there's a lot of people that fit the team better than Brian Costabile. Nothing. Oh, against, absolutely. Nothing against Costabile. Absolutely love him. Phenomenal player. Also, remember, Romar's a free agent at the end of the year, so the Redwoods are going to need midfielders because there's Romar's resigning. Three guys. Well, I'm just saying, just in terms of free, there's three guys that are pending free agents: Kevin Rogers, Perk, Romar. Two. You're always very technical. It's two. There's. I will tell you right now. There's no way that as soon as like season ends that. Nat isn't on the phone with Romar. Like, here's your extension. Are you resigning or what? I'm just like, talking from a from a semantic le- standpoint. He yes, is a free- in a logistical standpoint. Yes, you always do. But I'm just letting you know that that's not the case. There's two. He will, definite he will open be spots. one of those things when one of the the big time media people tweeted out Romar Dennis has resigned in free agency <laughs> with the Redwoods. <laughs> yes, and I'll be like, and I mean. Told you- yes that is a thing but we also have to remember too this free agency is going to be different than next year's free agency and i know we're getting off track talking about free agency when we still have games to talk about but this free agency is different than last year because we're going to have home cities by the time free agency begins and i think that could play a factor in a lot of guys decisions on who they sign with when they are when all these free agents hit the market in march maybe I think it may have a little influence, but I think a lot of it is going to be team fit. I think that's something guys that's really obviously one of them. But at. I think the the location is going to play a factor a lot more than people are. I think uh, it could stop someone from going somewhere. Absolutely. Like, I think I think somebody would go. I'll rather just stay where I'm at versus moving there. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see somebody going. Oh, they're my like they're close to my hometown. So like even though I don't really fit, I'll go there and see what's popping. I could just see somebody going. Yeah, this is like Absolutely. far from home, but this fits better. So I'm just gonna stay here. Because and it all depends on the, the type of player team. you are and the money you're gonna make. Yep, it's different than the big four sports where it's like, oh, I can just buy a house. So we'll see. Let us know uh, your thoughts on the Jackson Morrill trade and where you think he could end up in free agency as well. But, Deej, let's uh, preview Salt Lake City. Final week of the regular season. Some big-time fun matchups. Um, 
your top three things you're looking forward to from these matchups here, Deej. We got Archers, Water Dogs, and my personal just like get your popcorn ready. This is a playoff game before the playoffs start. And Cope even said that in the press conference uh, last week to me because I asked him. I said, you know, you had uh, chaos this past week. You have Archers going into next week before the playoffs. Like, how fun is that for you guys as a team to you know kind of have playoff games and playoff opponents? before the playoffs even start to give you kind of that that mindset and that energy of a playoff atmosphere and he said he personally loved it and you know that's what's gonna you know push them to try to repeat as champions um i love archers water dogs as a matchup always i i'm hoping and praying we get purple and orange in this matchup because it's what we deserve that's where purple and orange water dogs archers originated at this stadium because that happened during the bubble need that to happen at 8 p.m eastern time on friday night uh then we have atlas redwoods on espn 2 uh at 10 30 p.m then we have cannons whip snakes on saturday at 7 p.m and then chaos chrome to wrap out the regular season at 9 30 p.m uh deej what are you looking forward to your top three things in your favorite city in america First off, uh, looking forward to not being there. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I love watching PLL, that city may literally never see me again. Um, but really this week, as much as we talked about this pre-pod about you not really understanding why this is game of the week, absolutely love it being game of the week. The more I think about it, it has the most implications tied to it. Um, air quotes around that because pretty much every game has something tied to it outside of the Chrome game. Um, to an extent, there's a there's a point oh 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 one percent something matters in that Chrome game. No, not at all, <laughs> not at all. They, they like, like they, seven O's there, bro. Stop it. It's literally zero because like they cannot win by enough. And the Atlas can the Atlas cannot lose by enough to help them out. That's the big thing here. The Redwoods would have to literally demolish Atlas to really help Chrome in the scenario, and we both know that's not going to happen. Atlas would have to. I think the one scenario is Atlas would have to lose by eight, and then Chrome would have to win by nine. I think, if my math is correct. Let me do quick math. Yeah, something like that, because it's 15 and 32. Negative 15, negative 32. Yeah. Because then they'd be even in score differential. They'd be even no. in record. No. They, Chrome would be one above. They'd be negative 24 if they won by eight. And if Atlas lost by seven. 32. If Atlas lost by seven, they would be... Or sorry, not seven. No, oh. Atlas would have to lose by eight. Cause then that would put them at negative twenty three. And right, but you would Chrome want, would Chrome would want to tie. No, because they, I think Chrome wins tie. the tiebreaker with something. I forget what it is. But they wouldn't want to. They wouldn't even want to be in that realm, you know? They would But want... that's the closest scenarios. Atlas lose by eight, Chrome win by nine. That's how Chrome gets in the playoffs. And you know what's crazy is what's more likely to happen is Chrome winning by nine. I know. 
<laughs> and that goes into why I say, like, I love beat this being game of the week is it has the most implications. But when these two teams can get you imagine together, if Redwoods beat Atlas by eight and then the final game of the regular season, everyone's just like plastered <laughs> watching Chrome <laughs> trying to win by nine. <laughs> Come on. They're up by seven. Two here. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. I'm just saying, like, that would be absolutely electric. I I need that to happen. I I need that to happen. I I highly doubt we see it, but that would be electric. And it's just because for whatever reason, Redwoods can't play Atlas unless it's unless it's close. They cannot just give Atlas the whooping that they should be giving them. If we look at their previous matchups, the most recent three, Atlas smacked the woods around beginning of the year 2022. 17-11 gave them the gave them the, the biz. Last two, 16-15 woods. That was Fairfield. What was that? That was okay, Fairfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When Glaze hit his two bomb, then Miles had yeah, the two yeah, bomb yeah, right yeah, at the yeah. end of the game. And then the most recent was week That's one, 13-12 that we missed because of flat tire on restricted highway. But it, like, I wish I could, I'm not going to go too much farther back to look at the scores from other years, but for the most part, Woods I know Redwoods well. lost week one to Atlas in the first year of the league. They, they fare well, but for whatever reason, if the Woods are going to win the game, it's going to be close. And if Atlas is going to win the game, they're going to win by like six or seven. So, I do think the Woods have enough this year to win, and that and that won't be an issue, but it's going to be a close game, not helping Chrome out whatsoever, which is why I say Chrome doesn't really have a chance at catching because they're not going to get the help from the Woods that they get. And I, if I'm going to be honest, I don't think the Woods are really focused on helping them at all. I think the Woods are just focused on winning the game to get their spot at fourth in the playoffs and being that last championship series team. And they don't care if they win by one or two or if they win by 12. They just want to win. It would but be like, fun, though. You it know, would like, be fun. It, it would be electric if it turns out the Woods win by Matt, eight, nine, just ten. release the hounds and only shoot two-pointers. I mean, they'll go in. Um, yeah, Pull a Ben crazy. Rubior and shoot bouncers from two. It would be crazy to see that play out that way where Woods Ugh. win by 8, 9, 10, and now we're glued to the screen for the last game of the weekend, which would be I would, phenomenal for you know the league. Maybe even that gets bumped to a ESPN2. or. An I will let everybody know, if that happens before that final game, I will be tweeting the Cookie Monster from Family Guy meme that Worldwide Wob always tweets. But instead, it will have Chrome <laughs> plus 9 on it. Yes. On the, and on I'll, the cookie I, dough. And I'm so here for it. But, you know, like you look at the other games, like Water Dogs want to beat Archers, one, to give them a second blemish on the season and to try and get that second spot back instead of being in third. Like, you know, or maybe they don't. And then maybe they just want to play That's for that third and, too. and be and be on the bottom half of the bracket and, and face the Archers the last possible second. Um, so there's not much there because Archers – both these teams are already in, and it's just a matter mm. of do the Water Dogs want the second or third seed? Uh, Which I think they and want the third. I do too. Um, 
and then, you know, Cannon's Whip Snakes, once again, both these teams are already in the playoffs. Um, and Whip Snakes probably could care less where they're. Um, well, actually, where anybody they're, would want the second seed because then you're either playing Atlas or Chrome. I stand corrected there. But yeah, but then you play Archers for the first. No, you'd play the winner that. of 3 6. Oh, okay. four, 4 5 gets the um, the Archers side of the bracket. Well, they, they may want that too, but I guess it wouldn't really matter for them whether they play the six seed or the, the seven seed. Like they're going to be fine there um, and they'll move on. But the interesting, the other very interesting game is it's always the middle games for me that, that catch my attention because um, bookmarks are bookmarks and, and everybody's tuned in for the first and last and, and what it means. But these middle games are where everything is really made. You know, we figure out who's going to be in the championship series, who's getting what seed, how the playoffs are, are filling out. Um, and we'll pretty much know that after 10.30 p.m. Friday, mm-hmm. night, you know, tonight, as most we'll people before are Before Saturday's game. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hopefully have this up for the people a little late night Thursday. Okay, okay. But even still, you know, you as we listen to this or, you know, we, we think back to this, Saturday, by the time we wake up Saturday morning, we'll know the playoff picture mm-hmm. um, and most likely know the um, championship series picture. But this second game is only intriguing because Whip Snakes arguably don't want that spot in the championship series whatsoever. God, I need it to happen. I need cannons I- to win. Just I mean, to have our our nice little OTB and the T stands for tinfoil hat. Well, we don't to need, happen. We don't need whips to to lose that game. If Woods win that too, yeah, Friday night they're they're in. So, but it would be hilarious. That's the intriguing thing. Now this makes this game even more intriguing because if the if the Woods win, whips might go in and just lose. Or maybe they win to keep that fifth spot, so they do play the Woods. But maybe they go in and lose and and play. As the sixth seed. Um, well, there is some implications, too, because if the Archers beat the Water Dogs, then Cannon's full send, uh, unless they lose by 10, yeah. will have the two seed. But if the Water Dogs win, then the Cannons have to be all have gas, no win. breaks, and have to have win. Have to win. Yeah, this game's and intriguing because of, on, because of what happens Friday night. That's why game, game one really and three are very intriguing to me. Just because I I love the jigsaw puzzling of the playoff picture. Yeah, I mean I'm not dogs I'm there. not a. I think one is intriguing, but like the, just the matter of archers not having really anything at stake takes a little bit from that game. It is a rematch like, too of the absolute slugfest we had in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, but do we see anybody get sit? Does anybody sit this week? You know what I'm saying? Like, like we have to start having those conversations. But how many how many healthy scratches does he put on the list? Maybe he doesn't play Mac O'Keefe, or maybe he doesn't play Mike Sisselberger. Because why? Why risk any of these kind of guys getting hurt if you have zero implications in this game? You're not going to lose by thirty and lose your one seed to anybody. And also, nobody can catch up and, and win enough games to take your one seed either. You're locked in the championship series. You're locked in the one seed of the playoffs. You get the bye. Maybe maybe some guys can benefit from two weeks of rest. Oh, maybe, we see, maybe we see maybe we see Washuda get a get a start this week. 
since it doesn't that matter. wouldn't surprise me well you know like that's that's why like, there is there is calculation from a coach perspective to like help your guys get awards and stuff too not saying that like at some point like dobson could play the first half or something like that maybe but because yeah. he is up for goalie of the year going against a, a Kersey and going against blaze like you want to help your guy who's had a, a well yeah and year. i get that point but like that still kind of takes away from the game that this guy gets pulled middle of the second yeah. quarter at halftime like he's not going to be the only one we might see those attackmen get pulled i see sisselberger get pulled as well and it's like that game doesn't have the meaning that it should because this team is not affected this is um i just saw this tweet from the pll and we're gonna get to the awards uh stuff in a little bit but uh i don't know if this was ever made publicized last year the end of year award finalists are the top vote getters for each award as voted on by the pll players i don't know if we ever knew that publicly um award winners will be determined through a second round of voting by pll coaches and general managers who are the same people uh members of the professional lacrosse hall of fame pll front office and lacrosse advisors and members of the media I don't know if it's I don't remember if that was if any of that info was made public last year or not. I don't think so. So that's pretty interesting. Um yeah, it's going to be fun games this weekend, a lot on the line for a lot of different circumstances, playoff seeding, championship series tickets to get punched. But Deej, we got we got one last round of 2023 regular season picks to make. Let's head on down to the old pick pond and feed some ducks one last time this regular season it is the the duckies pll salt lake city rosters are rolling out picks of the week powered by trophy smack guys there's no better way to upgrade your fantasy smack talk than with our pals over at trophy smack they've got trophies metal wall art aka wall smack rings belts turnover chains last place trophies you guys can go to trophysmack.com slash underground to upgrade your fantasy smack talk today that's trophysmack.com slash underground to upgrade your fantasy smack talk deej first game of the weekend friday night we'll be watching it from the booth for quite some time as we'll both be on football broadcasts as well uh for archers water dogs on espn plus at 8 p.m do you have the archers matching the best regular season record in pll history or do you have the dogs pulling a little underdog upset um thinking back to some of the conversations we've had this one is a toss-up this one's, I think, the most difficult game to pick, even though it's, like, two, like, teams that are already locked in for the playoffs. This is a difficult matchup to pick. This is difficult because, like I mentioned, Archers don't really have much. They have nothing to lose here at all. So we're probably going to see some guys get taken out at some point and kind of have a lot of backups in and guys that aren't playing as much, which does affect the game to to. A level not a ton because all these guys are pros and play at a high level and water dogs may not want the second seed it doesn't really affect them but it may, it may not want it um 
How hilarious but, but, would it be? Not to cut you off, but how yeah, I'm just thinking of this if the Water Dogs did get the second seed. They got to play Atlas for a third time. Mike Bressler is going to have war flashbacks. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. He's gonna he's he might just cry. He literally might just cry. He's gonna be the the black and white meme of Elmo and just the, the helicopters and bombs going off. It's just gonna be Pressler instead. Please make that. <laughs> Please <laughs> make that. Um I think I gotta go water dogs here though. They they have something to play for. I'm gonna go archers. Um I really do think that those guys in that locker room want this to be like a banner season for them in a lot of aspects. I think they want that, you know, best record in PLL history to be a tandem. They don't want it to be just the whips by themselves. And I, I think they want to, you know, go on this journey of potentially winning a PLL championship while being the best. Um, they've set that pedigree for themselves. I love the water dogs. It wouldn't shock me if they end up winning this game. Um, but I'm going to go with the Archers to to win, I think, a very back-and-forth, high-scoring affair again. Not as high-scoring as Dallas, um, but I think it'll still be double digits for both squads. Then we go to the game of the week, ESPN2, Atlas Redwoods. Winning in for the Woods to get in the Champ Series. You already know where I'm going because I want to see the Woods in the Championship Series. Not that I don't want to see hilarious Jim Stagnita uh championship series press conferences and not that i wouldn't want to see chaos in the champ series but half their team wouldn't be able to play give me the woods to win roll on into the champ series and roll on into the postseason on a high note roll them that's it, <laughs> it, it, it it's that simple it, it, it is that simple there's no first game the first game romar and miles playing against their former teams too should not be a reason why the woods lose this game Zero. Unless, like, nope. Bane nope. shows up and the game just gets paused. Nope. They still wouldn't lose because the game would be paused. And and the Woods should be winning at that point. So if it gets called, the game should be over and they win. So, no, there's no reason they should lose this game. I wonder how long a PLO game would have to go for it to be called. Because you know how, like, in baseball, like, you have to play uh, first five innings? I say most of it's halftime. I wonder if you'd have to play like you one play minute, like through one minute after halftime, like one minute into the third quarter. That'd be to like, stupid. <laughs> That'd be so stupid. Most of the time, uh, the cutoff is half. That'd be funny. Most though. of the time, the cutoff. It's is like, half. oh, you played more than half a game. We're good. <laughs> We're good. And up. I, literally, they just take a face off in the third, and they're like, "All right, that's good. Doo -doo. See you later. <laughs> game over. We're done here." Cannons Whip Snakes in another very fun matchup to kick off things on Saturday. I'm going with the Boom Squad to get a win. Um, I just think they're they're playing really well. You know, they they were on a five game winning streak, losing overtime, get a bounce back win. I I honestly think if the Cannons win this game too, it's a it's a very strong, formidable case for not that it already isn't, but Brian Holman winning Coach of the Year. Um, Give me the boom squad to get the dub. Yeah, definitely. Um, cannons. They've done a phenomenal job at turning their program around and, and really being an organization that, you know, kind of embodies what Boston cannons used to be. Um, 
So that's awesome to see them kind of back on that trail. Uh, the biggest thing, though, with this is I really think Jim Stagnita despises sixes with with a true disdain in his heart and will do everything to make it seem like he's not purposely throwing this game so that they don't play in February. But it's going to be pretty close to, all right, guys, let's go out there and have fun, keep it close. But remember, we are not winning this game. <laughs> so I'll take cannons. So I need that <laughs> just so I can be like, everybody, tinfoil hats. <laughs> Put them on. Light them up. Uh, final game of the regular season, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Chaos. Chrome. I'm picking Chaos, but my God, do I need Chrome to win by nine and Atlas to lose by eight so fucking bad. You know, I'm, I'm going to be that guy just to be that guy. And uh, I'm going to do something I really shouldn't do here. Chrome's hungry, man. One win on a season is something that hasn't been done ever in the PLO. That would Incorrect. Suck. Happened last year with Cannons. You're right. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> they don't want to be the second team to ever lose one game in the PLO. They have pieces. Cross is great. They kind of got... A, a lot of people are looking at him like WTF without Jackson Murrell because like he's been... The, the star point for them outside across this year. Um, so they kind of have, they literally have zero things to lose and everything to gain. And That's it would scary be to play against too. And it'd be absolutely electric to see them win by nine. So with all of that being said, I would love to take the men of Oz this weekend. <laughs> but. I'm taking the men to Oz this weekend. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. There was a long pause there for oh, no, the buildup. I, I, I was, I was doing the whole sorry. I was, I was just getting ready to call Ian McKay to come run after you like you were Kieran. Kieran! 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 I told, I told him to walk away three times. I know. I'm just pissed at him. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no. I did the whole buildup of making people think I was going to pick Chrome and just go with Chaos. So there we go. We're all on the same page except the first game. Deej is going Water Dogs, Redwoods, Cannons, Chaos. I'm going Archers, Redwoods, Cannons, Chaos. And those are your PLL Salt Lake City picks in a week. That Archers pick might change at some point. I also just thought of something, and I don't know about my Cannons pick right now. Uh, but brought to you by Trophy Smack. What um, you mean? Whip snakes have never lost in Salt Lake City. <laughs> and that's going to change. That's going to change. The bunk bed boys are all split. It's a little different for them now. And plus, the whips ain't really played nobody they could lose to in Salt Lake City, for real. I guess maybe the the bubble they could have lost to somebody, for real. But they went I guess hardcore that, undefeated in the championship series. I don't they think won. the bubble counts, does it? Or did, did they did they go undefeated? In they were undefeated the in the bubble. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and then they, they played won. Woods the next year, which is like they chopped cheese. There. And then they won. 
Especially because uh, that was playoffs, so it was chopped cheese for the Woods. And then they beat uh, Redwoods there in the regular season in 2021. Was that? Are you sure that was regular season? I think so. I'm pretty sure that was first round playoffs. Q finals. I'm going to pull up the schedule real quick. Because that's when I went. And I'm almost positive that was Q finals. Because that was uh, K-18's oh, last right. game. Yeah. So that was that. There was another. So what was last year then? Because they won there last year. Did they play the Woods again? again? They play the Woods again? Then last year that was regular season? Because it was a little earlier than normal last year. Yeah, they were in Salt Lake City for the quarterfinals in 2021. Yeah. I want to say it's it's Woods in the regular season. No, because they played Baltimore Woods last year regular season. Uh, <laughs> regular season was the Salt Lake City, but it wasn't the last game of the regular season. Yeah, it was second to last because Seattle was the last one. Um, here we go. Finally found it. Uh, they played Atlas and they won sixteen to eight. Ah. So maybe the whip's undefeated streak in Salt Lake City comes to an end. Who knows? Uh, let's talk about will. these <laughs> end of year award nominees. We got them right before we started recording. Um, we're going to sift through them. No John Sexton again this <clears throat> week, by the way. Interesting. They're going with with RK and OG again. Interesting. Um, Attackman of the year finalists, Marcus Holman, Connor Fields, shout out to the boy, Ryder Garnsey, shout out to the boy, and Asher Nolting. Uh, this is a very on-brand OTB Attackman of the year finalist group. Marcus obviously is phenomenal to us. Uh, every in-person press conference and every time we see him in person, still a dream guest for the pod. Fieldsy is the guy, the Fields family. We love them. Uh, Garnsey, friend of the program. Asher Nolting has been... Asher was the first college player put on uh, to this podcast radar when Dom was the original co-host of this podcast because he told me about Asher way back in 2018. And that's when I first started just like keeping a close eye on Asher Nolting. So very on brand grouping uh, for the attackman of the year. Midfielder of the year, pretty self-explanatory. It's Zach Courier, it's Tom Schreiber, and Dane Smith. Your face-off athlete of the year, Mike Sisselberger, Trevor Baptiste, and TD Ireland. Your teammate of the year, Cole Kirst, Jake Richard, Ryan Ambler, the boy, and Austin Cout. And your Humanitarian of the Year nominees, Trevor Baptiste, Romar Dennis, Eric Law. Very funny that if Romar didn't get traded, it would have been three guys on Atlas nominated there. Your Defenseman of the Year, Graham Hasek, The Boy, Jack Rowlett, Garrett Eppel, Jack Keelty. Your LSM of the Year, Troy Ray, The Boy, 
Michael Earhart, Jared Connors, Ethan Rawl, your short stick D middies, Bubba Fairman, Zach Goodrich, and the boy Latrell Harris. Your goalie of the year nominees, the boy Blaze Reardon, Brett Dobson, Colin Kirst. Your leadership award nominees, Tucker Dirk and Tom Schreiber, and the boy Blaze Reardon. And your sportsmanship award nominees, Mark Lassini, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, Zed Williams, and Eric Law. Your Rookie of the Year nominees, Mike Sisselberger, Tucker Dordovic, Will Bowen, and Ethan Rawl. Your Coach of the Year nominees, Brian Holman, Chris Bates, and longtime friend of the program, Andy Towers. And your MVP finalists, Marcus Holman, Blaze Reardon, Tom Schreiber, Trevor Baptiste, and Asher Nolting. Deech, your thoughts, your concerns, your overall bookmark stamp bow on the award nominees. Um, Obviously, the most talked about thing in all of these awards has been the short stick D MIDI award and the lack lack of a certain player. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and and one person, shout out Brian, um, tweeted that he didn't understand it because he figured this person would be nominated not only for short stick D mid of the year, but also defensive player of the year. And I can back both of those statements. He's been insane. Not to cut Complete. you off, but the boy E. McKay just quotes me in the short stick D MIDI post with the yawning emoji. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a clown, yo. <laughs> he is such a clown. <laughs> but yeah, th- this other player has been unreal. Teams won't even dodge on him as a short stick whatsoever. Their game plan is to dodge on literally anybody but him, including the poles on this team. He has the ground balls. He has not as many cost turners as he had the year before, but it's not that big of a deal, especially when you're not being dodged on. You can't really create turnovers. He was just at a whole nother level when it came to playing the short stick defensive mid position. And I feel like it's a disservice to not even have him nominated as a finalist, but it is what it is. I'll pick somebody else from the list. And that's that. Um, but the, that was my biggest thing was I couldn't believe this person was not on that list. Um, I can't believe CJ nine was left off the LSM list. Um, that's unreal to me. He was no disrespect to Troy Ray. I just felt like he had a slightly bigger impact on chaos this year. Troy He's did have a doing phenomenal year though. And I'm glad absolutely phenomenal that. year. And if he wins the award all for it at the same time, but if there had to be someone from chaos, if I had to pick, it would have been CJ nine. He was insane in that regard. Um, the other thing is. Talked a little bit with someone. I don't know that I would have put both Asher and Marcus in for MVP. And I, because you can't really have two guys from the same team. Like, yes, they've been playing great. Yes. They both deserve it, but pick one. Throw in somebody from the Water Dogs. 
Maybe you throw in a second archers guy because they're eight and one. That makes sense to me. And and I wouldn't have put Blaze in the MVP conversation either because Chaos is a middle of the pack team. And he's played phenomenally, but he also hasn't played to the level that he did when he won MVP in the past. And he hasn't played to the level of some of his goalie of the year years either. I probably I I even looking at the attack lineup, I would have slid in Kieran in there as well. Maybe just have four. Um, think, or you take or you take out one of the archers guys and you put Kieran in or one of the cannons guys and you put Kieran in there as well. But outside of that, I thought all of the, the awards were picked in the right way. And there were guys there that should have been. And I'll be able to make my decisions. I think you I get where you're coming from with Asher and Marcus, but it's tough to not have the guy who leads the league in points and then the guy who's second in points not be nominated, and then the guy who leads the league in one-point goals, also nominated, where Marcus leads the league in one-point goals, and he's second in points, and Asher led the league in points this year. Also, crazy. I mean, I see both of them being nominated for attacking, but... I'm just looking at the stats page right now, because last year we only had two guys with 40-point seasons, and that was Lyle and Kieran. With three or four. We have a potential for... Six? Four... And if Mac goes nuclear, potential for five. Asher's at 39. Marcus is at 37. Schreiber and Chris Gray are both at 36. And then Mac O'Keefe's at 33. That would be wild. Yeah. And and I, I definitely the think point. there's a real shot for four guys to finish with 40-point seasons, which would be awesome. And I get the point of having both those guys, but it's just like they play off of each other. So there's one that's – and especially with me and how I view MVP is who is literally the most valuable to their team. If you take them off their team, that team is going to be significantly worse, which is now making this award very hard for me because – I think if you take either of those guys off, though, this year – Cannons I don't think team. I, I think they're different, but I don't think they're significantly worse. That's and that's where I go with that is one of those guys is more important than the other. But who is it that and that's a separate conversation to have that's, in my in my opinion, it's Asher. Asher is a little more important to the cannons, in my opinion, than Marcus is because of his initiation standpoint. He's, he's the quarterback of that offense. He runs it everything when he's when he's going and he's kicked off. That offense is almost unstoppable because he's unstoppable when he's going. So I would give the edge to Asher and leave Marcus alone in the attackman of the year and then put Asher alone in MVP. But I understand that stance point. Um, but like if you take Trevor off of Atlas, they are significantly worse because they're not getting the ball flat out. Like they, They're not great, but they would be so much worse if they weren't getting the ball as much as they are now. You take Blaze off, how many goals go in? Is is Chaos still four and five without Blaze, or are they closer to a two and seven, one and eight, like the bottom teams in the league? You take Schreiber off of Archers, and I do not know that they're eight and one or the first team in the league. Even though they are the most complete team we have right now, and, and they're playing unreal. 
without Tom Schreiber, I don't know if any of it happens. MVP is one of the harder ones to pick for me because of how I value and, and like see the award and the way I would vote on it because I vote on it based off of what it actually means. Most valuable player, not the best one, but the most valuable player. I'm just going to pop something up on the screen. If you're not watching on YouTube, I highly recommend you do. Um, this, this is my stance. Screaming. <laughs> Not in big trouble. <laughs> For everybody just listening on audio, it is the ever famous broke through the, the soccer space and into mainstream online memeage of a soccer manager uh, saying, Jose Mourinho saying, I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. So I prefer not to speak. But there are your end of your nominees. <laughs> um, we'll see who ends up winning them. And uh, very excited to see who does end up winning them. Very excited for our guys who are all nominated, um, friends of the pod. And uh, I don't think you can really say out of any of the nominees outside of Danny Logan not being nominated that the nominations are wrong in any sense. I think everyone who was on these lists for sure deserves to be nominated in one aspect or another for those respective awards. Um, so shout out to the players for, for knowing their nominations. Uh, let's wrap up real quick with the latest in NLL free agency. It's brought to you by our pals over at Kenwood Beer, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use that Kenny Finder to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia or Pittsburgh areas. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Latest in NLL free agency. Also, one thing we're going to be on watch for this weekend, DJ, is Water Dogs and Whip Snakes, the two-bomb king title is up for grabs both Connor Kelly and Tucker Dordovic tied with five twos Mac O'Keefe right behind him with four the two bomb title on watch uh NLL free agency since we last spoke to the people not too much has gone on um Toronto Rock signed Jordan McKenna to a one-year deal Patrick Shumay signs a four-year deal with San Diego Casey Jackson officially signs a one-year deal with Las Vegas. Is that Pepe Silvia <laughs> fucking bulletin board of Casey Jackson's free agency continues to grow. Colorado re-signs Chris Wardle to a one-year deal. Chris Orglieri signs a five-year deal with the San Diego Seals. This one I kind of like. Leaving the Colorado Mammoth and going to Panther City reuniting with Callum Crawford Tyler Digby going to Panther City I like that move a lot for Digby going there the Colorado Mammoth signed former Philadelphia wing and Calgary roughneck Nate Wade Nate Wade Nate Wade Nate Wade you have to say his name three times it's just the rules I don't make them everybody knows you just have to say Nate Wade's name three times when you say it 
He's going to Colorado, as is the boy. You broke this news to me. Paul Dawson heading to Colorado on a one-year deal. I love this. You putting Paul Dawson back there with Warren Jeffrey. Just adding some grit, some tenacity to that defense even more. I love this move for the Colorado Mammoth. That is uh, another one of those instances where I love this as a lacrosse player, lacrosse fan, media member, etc. But hate this as a Calgary Roughnecks fan. Absolutely hate this as a Roughnecks fan. It's going to be insane playing you guys again because we always seem to run into you at some point in the playoffs. And just maybe we can get over the hump this time because, I don't know, we're not flying back to the bird like a couple other teams are. Yeah. Um, I love that move there. And then we had another trade happen where Saskatchewan have traded Cam Bador to Albany in exchange for their fourth-round selection in 2024. And then, as one member of the Back of the Bird podcast exits Rochester, another one enters the fold as the New York Riptide have traded the boy Dan Lomas to the Rochester Nighthawks in exchange for a 2023 fourth round pick. Deej, talk to me about your New York Riptide trading the boy to Rochester. Now it gets to play with Connor Fields. I like that a lot. I like this move for the Nighthawks. I like it for both sides. Um, it's sad to see a guy like Dan Lomas go. He's a pillar of the team, leader, really brought the the veteranism to the locker room. But at the same time, he's going into an offense that needs that and, and will benefit from having that. And, and the role that he played of being a slasher, setting picks, catch and shoot is something that, that Rochester uses a lot and will benefit from. The good thing about this for the Riptide, obviously they get a pick back, extra young legs, but that's the thing. Their offense is going extremely young. They're looking to build for the future the next couple of years. Like we'll look back at this conversation and, and the one we had about Callum Crawford and that trade in like three years, four years. And this Riptide team is going to have taken a huge step up where their offense is absolutely electric because you're putting – Chris Gray, who's finally decided to make the leap over to the NLL with Jeff T and, you know, Larson Sundown and whatever other young guys, um, because they picked up, who was that? Um, Who'd they get from Panther City? Uh, You're talking about the Riptide? Yeah. Was it, was it Deeds? I don't know why that name is on the tip of my tongue for that trade. Well, they um, they signed John LaFontaine. Yep. And I mean, and signed JT Riley, Giles Harris. Riley O'Connor's still there. Yep. Like, there there are pieces there that fit this team very and, well. Oh, they traded for Kyle Matisse. Got Kyle Matisse. No, it was the uh, Callum Crawford Panther City trade. I can't remember who they got back for that. It was in the middle of the season. Um but yeah, like all of these pieces are coming together and a lot of them are young. And that's the biggest thing is they're building for the future, both offensively and defensively. Um, 
I, I like where they're headed. I think this was a very good move, not only for Lomas, who's got that veteran side and kind of pushing toward the end of his career, but also for a rebuilding Riptide team that's sort of looking for a new identity. Is Dan pushing towards the end of his career? I thought, I thought Dan was like my age. I mean, I'm not saying it like that, but like he's not young. You know what I mean? Like he's getting Don't worry, to that Dan. I think you're young. <laughs> us thirty, us almost Sh- thirty up. and thirty somethings got to stand together. Shut up, because I don't call you old. Stop it. What I'm saying yeah, is, you just in, try to make me feel good. It, stop it. In in playing years, he's up there. Okay, in playing years, he's up there. He's reaching free agency, which is a big deal in the NLL because you have to be a certain age, which I won't say out loud. Yeah, to- Dan is Dan is six months older than me. I'm I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying he he's gotten through the playing years. Like we talk about how much they like reach their prime, but like that's like the bare bones part of of the career where a lot of guys are hanging it up right as they're getting to their prime. He's getting to that point. We don't know like what it's gonna be like for him. He's dealt with some injuries, but like the whole point is like he's at that point where he's almost reached free agency. He's kind of outside of the the riptides age range right now and what they're looking to build with i also think this was a move that just gets dan closer to canada and Mm -hmm. closer to home Mm -hmm. trying to find when did callum get traded like what month was that was it february Uh, february march um Trying to find like the like actual like uh, might have been earlier than that. We're in January here. Still not seeing it. Because uh, now I'm curious. Because I forget who. Yeah, I really do forget. Was in that trade. Josh Byrne back in the lineup. You know what? I'm just going to. Jerry did an apron swap with his grandma. (laughs) That's gas. Oh, that's great. That's incredible. Uh, Let's see. Whoa! Do I need to hit the music? No Krebs this weekend. Oh yeah, Burnlore was questionable on the injury report. Wow. I mean, I would have had him as my backup instead of Phipps. No offense to Phipps, but like, if something does happen to Burnlore again, I would want to put Krebs in there and not Phipps, just because of how Krebs is played. Uh, Krebs is on the reserve. The trade was Crawford for Kevin Orleman, Colton Lidstone, and Petey LaSala. Oh, yeah, we got LaSala. I forgot about that. And but yeah. Riptide also got a second-round pick in 2024 and 2025, plus a fourth-rounder this year. That's fire. That's fire. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Morell's wearing three for the whip snakes. 
Okay, because Will's wearing four. Mm-hmm. I gotta see it. That's a that's a. That's gonna be interesting. Balance. That's gonna be interesting to see of Jersey analytics. <laughs> um, at least it's not sticks. That would have been so fucking cool. I would have bought his jersey so quick. <laughs> I bet you would have, little weirdo. Sticks are ugly. Fight me. I will. You'll knock I'll be me there. out. I'll be there in a week. <laughs> I'll be there in a week. Oh, that's hilarious. You want to tussle? We can get right out at the Philadelphia International Airport. You want to tussle? We can get it right out at PHL and, and throw them things. You'll Jose Ramirez my ass. Um, <laughs> NLL draft, September 16th, by the way. my homecoming weekend it's in canada so we're not going oh no 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 that's not what i meant by that we got i was just letting everybody know are are we streaming it at all uh probably not okay never mind i was gonna say you're gonna see an interesting level of dj (laughs) probably not because i would have been here 16th is a saturday yeah it is it's the it's the one weekend we have off from pll in september yeah, and I'm gonna enjoy my my weekend off. <laughs> I'm currently doing a remote for radio and also doing homecoming, so I will not be taking that weekend off. So there it is. Uh, make sure you guys are following us at OTB Laxpod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads. Follow Deej on Twitter at scs underscore next great. Follow me at kbizzl three one one. Subscribe to subscribe, the subscribe, subscribe. You're going to laugh at this, and I love how Pat Bev has grown on you. <laughs> they had the, the 20th anniversary Barstool Awards thing last night, and they had like the red carpet. <laughs> Pat Bev said, I brought Barstool to the hood. <laughs> no, sir. You brought the hood to Barstool. There's a difference. But I'm here for it. I, I mean, you're right. Pat Bev is slowly growing on me as a person. I will always hate the pesky basketball player that he is. Always. Hey, Pat Bev, Philadelphia 76er now. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Like we said, subscribe to the pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia, where we are currently at 532 subscribers. Let's By the end of this weekend, can we get to 550? Like, I'm making it easier for you guys to hit these goals. Let's get to 550 by the end of the weekend. By the end of the regular season of the PLL, let's get to 550 subscribers. That's super... That's 18. 18 people just need to hit subscribe. Let's make that happen. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Also, get your merch, phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off your order. This has been episode number 289 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, number nine NCAA ranked, and of course viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, the official lacrosse pod on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For Deej, KB, enjoy the weekend of lacrosse we have coming up with the PLL regular season finale, and we will see you next time.
maybe in studio, still figuring out scheduling of what makes the most sense because PLL Boston is on a Monday. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here. We are signing off. Peace. And that's outside the box.